Hallelujah. God is a good God. He's a powerful God. And I just thank him, amen, for blessing us in the way that he did this morning. Let's just give him another hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Um, yesterday, Ronnie's already mentioned, yesterday was a, a great time um, with the annual Ladies' Day. And um, it uh, turned out really good. And uh, we, again, appreciate those of you um, who come over ahead of time, worked so hard uh, to help. And I know our, I know our first lady appreciates the work and the help because um, when I woke up yesterday morning um, and got out, got out of bed, and I looked over, she was um, um, laying still laying over her sleep, and my mind went back, and God knows this is the truth, but for several years. She never went to bed at all the night before Ladies' Day. She was up working all night long. Because of her age now and the things going on in her body, there's a lot of things she can't do anymore. And some people, maybe some of the news don't realize, but I'm going to tell you what, she has been a key spoke to the wheel of this church for a long time. She'd done it when nobody else would do it or could do it. Hallelujah. And um, I appreciate that. And um, everything that we do for the kingdom of God, sometimes you do things you think it's unnoticed, but it don't go unnoticed. Man may not mention nothing, but the Bible says God is not unnoticed. Not unrighteous to forget your work of labor in the kingdom of God. I don't care if it's just vacuuming the floor, washing the wall, scrubbing the toilet, whatever it may be. God's writing your name down and putting a check says, I'm going to bless them for that, that seed that they sowed. Let me tell you something. <laughs> In this issue of sowing seed, it's not just money that is seed you sow, but time, effort, all that is seed you sow in the kingdom of God, and God will bless you for your work. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So we thank you again. And everybody who has helped, and um, the emissions conference was good. And um, I want to thank God for over $33,000 being raised for missions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is tremendous. Hallelujah. And as Ronnie... I spoke, uh, we'll be having Brother Jamie Davis with us next Sunday night.
hope everybody makes a special effort to try to be here. Amen. To um, uh, to hear Brother Davis, um, he wasn't with us last year, but uh, he has been here, and I'm looking forward. Brother, him and his brother are doing a great work in God, and um, they need your support, uh, mainly through prayer. Persecution is um, is getting harder in India. Just a couple days ago, his brother, Johnny, made a post on Facebook of a Christian couple in India that the Hindus and all that stripped their clothes. A husband and, and, and wife uh, made him strip himself of all clothes and um, ran him through the streets of the city to embarrass them and humiliate them. That's only a beginning. They start doing stuff like that, and then if that don't stop somebody from talking about Jesus, they'll start the beating the next time. Um, you don't realize we can all sit around and talk about how bad it is and the problems we got in America. You don't have a clue what's going on to Christian people around this world. There, there are hundreds of thousands that are being forced to go without food. They're thrown in prisons, not given food and water to drink. They're beat, trying to make them to recant <coughs> the name of Jesus. But like the early church, the majority, there are some who, who backs off, but the majority holds true to their faith. And... Um, Brother Paul, it will it will eventually happen here. It, it eventually happen here. Uh, Christianity right now in this in this country is the only is the only religion that is okay to uh, to talk about and condemn. And um, but anyway, I'm glad to be a child of God, and I thank Him for His blessings and His mercy. I ask, uh, um, again, no service tonight, and rather didn't say the reason why we're doing this uh, because of the just getting out of the mission conference and several uh, services there and then the work that was done for Ladies' Day and yesterday um, decided to do this to give people some time to just kind of recuperate a little bit. How many knows the Bible says that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak? And the older my flesh gets, the weaker I got. It gets. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, but we will be back in service Wednesday night at seven thirty uh, for our, our, our Bible study. Praise the Lord. Will you pray for me that I am able to um, get? Um, the message this morning, give me my prayer, God will strengthen me in my body to allow me to do so, because um, I, I know I, I've already been told that if 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 I if I don't if I don't do better, I'm going to be put out to pasture. <laughs> and I found out I'm going to have to tell Brother Bobby he's been put under the gun. 
Praise the Lord. Amen, amen. We're going to read one verse of scripture in the book of Psalms this morning. Psalms chapter 89, verse 14. Psalms 89, verse 14. And this is what it reads, uh, reads like. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Lord, as we come today, we thank you and we praise you for this service. You have blessed us already and touched us and lifted us up in the spirit. We thank you for that, Lord. And I'm asking you, God, now to speak to us through your word, grant us wisdom, and I'm asking that the spirit of revelation will permeate this room and this building, that we may receive revelation from you and understanding of thy will, thy perfect will. In Jesus' name, let the church say, and you can be seated, praise the Lord. Praise the mighty name of the Lord. I'm going to begin this morning, and I'm not going to hold you um, too long, but I want to begin a, um, a two-part series. We won't be going several weeks, but just as just a two-part series, and I'm going to be dealing with righteousness. Righteousness. And that's what I want to speak about this morning. Understanding righteousness, the necessity, and the achievement. Uh, I wonder how many of us really realize the importance of righteousness in our life and our walk with God. We need to understand Amen, how important righteousness is. And righteousness is kind of linked, it is, well it is, not kind of, but it is linked to holiness, of which a lot of people just don't want to hear about no more today. <coughs> we got so many, um, we, got, we got so many speakers and motivational teachers that their chief aim is just to get you excited and thrill you and make you feel good that we're losing out on a lot of important principles in the Word of God. Amen. I would not be doing you justice and I would not love you very much if the only things I talked about in the Bible were the blessings. There are blessings of serving God, yes. There's a lot of good things that make us feel good, make us warm-hearted. But it's not all about those blessings. 
It's not all about those things. Serving God is more than just singing a song. Serving God is more than just whooping around and, and, and dancing and jumping up and down. But serving God is a lifestyle. It's a relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I begin to count (coughs) to find out how many times in the Bible the word righteous or righteousness is recorded and I I had to give up. I would have to go to uh, my laptop and go to my strongs on lap on on that, and um, it would automatically show me the, the the number of times which I didn't do. But it's several hundred times that word is in there. Now, it's been a while since I have um, dealt primarily on this subject. In fact, I can't remember how long it has been since I've just preached or taught a message on righteousness. Um, In fact, I couldn't even find any notes or outlines stored back somewhere to refer to. So what you're getting this morning is fresh bread hot out of the oven. Hallelujah. And if you used to drive down... Murfreesboro Road, years ago, the old bread baking place right down there. Man, I, I'd like to roll down the window and just smell that. There's nothing smells quite as good as fresh baked bread. This right here is a bread of life. Can somebody say amen? amen. Hallelujah. And we should love it. We should love the aroma of it. Because it's this right here that's able to get inside this old heart that's filled with pride and jealousy and envy and hatred and bad attitudes. It's that fresh bread that's able to come into my heart, amen, and do the change that needs to be done so I can have a relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, my God, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost already. Thank you, Lord. So as your pastor, it's my prayer that you will receive a meaningful understanding of true righteousness and how it is applied to your life. That's what I want for everybody that is here. So that when you stand one day, and we're all going to do it, The Bible says there's going to come a day that we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us. Uh, I've had some appointments that I've called and canceled. Anybody ever ever, ever had to do that? I've had doctor's appointments that I called and canceled. Not because I couldn't make it, but because I didn't want to hear what he was going to say when I got there. Hallelujah. Lori, have you been exercising? 
I told Sister Margie when her mom was out there in the hospital. It's been a while since you've been to St. Thomas West. You know, you got to do some walking. You park over there in that garage, and you got to cross over, and you walk, and you walk, and you walk. Lord of mercy. I told Sister Anna, I said, I want you to know I wouldn't do this for everybody. But I... (laughs) But I said, I, then I told Sister Marcia, I said, well, I'm glad about one thing. I said, um, uh, I got a doctor's appointment coming up, which is tomorrow, by the way. And so when he asked me if I've been exercising, I can say yes and don't have to worry about lying. <laughs> hallelujah. I put in three or four miles that day, hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. <laughs> I don't lost my train of thought now. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. But the biggest issue, <laughs> the biggest issue, when we all stand before the uh, throne of grace and we're all going to do it, I've got to hear him say, well done. You got to hear him say, well done. That is the most important thing. So this morning and next Sunday, if the Lord permits, part one today, I'm going to talk about the necessity <coughs> of righteousness. And then we will bleed in the next time to how that is achieved. But the necessity of righteousness. Now, I've got to start out by giving you a definition. If you bear with me just briefly, what um, being righteous or righteousness is. And I got it recorded word for word, everything I, I got out of the, uh, the, the online dictionary. And this is what it tells me about righteousness. It says, acting in accord with divine or moral law, free from guilt or sin, morally right or justifiable. Now that's what the English definition is of righteous or righteousness. The biblical equivalent in the Greek When you look it up in the Greek, this is what it means in the Greek. To be in a right standing with God and his word. We're talking about the necessity of righteousness. If anybody don't think it's important. The Greek says it's to be in a right standing with God and his word. To be holy, just, and unblameable without fault. That's why there's one scripture in the Bible that's always concerned me 
and bothered me. Within view, what I just gave you, what righteousness means, there's a passage of Scripture in the Bible that says, if the righteous are scarcely saved, where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? I said, oh God, and every time I read it, I said, oh God, I'm not presumptuous enough stuff to say I'm righteous. Brother Joe, I, I, I can't honestly say I'm a right. I don't feel like I'm a righteous man. But the word says, if the righteous, even if you consider yourself righteous, if the righteous scarcely be saved, I'm here to tell you, sweetheart, ain't none of us going to walk into heaven tooting on a horn and flying a flag and say, well, hallelujah, I made it. Any of us who get there is going to be by the hair of a chinny-chin-chin. And you know what that hair is? It's going to be the grace of God. Oh, hallelujah. It's going to be the grace of God that gets me there, that gets you there. There ain't nothing I can do. There ain't nothing you can do. Amen. To do it on our own. I need Jesus and so do you. Give him a praise. Hallelujah. In our opening scripture text, we read that it said righteousness and justice are the foundation of the throne of God. Amen. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Now, the foundation of anything means its strength, the stability. Hallelujah. The foundation of a house is the strength of a house. I don't care how pretty you make the facade and what you painted on on the inside or outside, the strength of that house is the foundation. Amen. So the foundation of anything, it's its strength, stability, and fundamental source of its structure. Simply put, the foundation is what it's built on. Then he said righteousness and justice are the foundation of the throne of God. Correlate those, connect those. We're talking about God's throne now. We're talking about the kingdom. We're talking about, we sang, I'm in the glory land way. We're talking about that glory land. <coughs> Righteousness is the foundation of that. So we see that the very throne of God is built on righteousness and justice. That fact alone should make us realize nothing unrighteous could ever hope to approach the throne of God and to enter the presence of a righteous holy God. Hallelujah. If the foundation of that throne 
is righteousness. And everything about heaven is holy. That fact alone should cause us all to understand there ain't nobody here can just throw right up in there. If we're not righteous, if we're not in a right standing with God, we cannot get into his presence. We cannot enter towards that throne. The prophet Isaiah reveals to us how we are separated from a righteous, holy God because of our sins and our unrighteousness. Isaiah 59 and 2. Put that up there. Look on the screen there. You can turn to it in your Bibles how you want. But your iniquities, that's mine and yours, have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. How seriously do we look at scriptures like that and understand them? I've got something that separates me from God. <coughs> you got something that separates us. And it's because God is holy, righteous, and pure, and sin cannot get into his presence. It ain't going to happen. That's why the Bible says no man can see God and live. If God, and listen to me now, this is the beauty of of the apostolic faith on the oneness of God and God being one and that Jesus even though he was a man he was more than a man he had two natures he was God and he was man God is so holy righteous and pure Has anybody ever seen a film of an atomic bomb going off? The big mushroom cloud and all that? I've seen, it was before my time, but I've seen pictures of the bomb dropped over uh, Hiroshima during uh, World War II in Nagasaki, two cities. And then I've seen pictures of the aftermath, the devastation of all that power. God needed, he needed to come down to this earth. But he knew he is so powerful, he is so holy and so righteous that if God in his pure form was to sit down on this earth in that pure form, it would be worse for the cow than that atomic bomb. 
nothing could survive the presence of him. Because the Bible says we're all of an unclean thing. I've seen somebody make a comment on Facebook. Said they're sick and tired of people telling them how unworthy they are. And they uh, don't deserve God's grace and all that stuff. I said, man, man, the, the devil's got this guy so deceived. The Bible said we all is unclean thing. There is none righteous, no, not one. Hallelujah. If I stood up here and told you that I am what I am by my own goodness and grace, I would be lying to you and you need to get up and leave right now because somebody will tell you that you don't need to be listening to. There's none righteous. Not even one. If there was, if there was, Jesus wouldn't have to died. Come on, think about it. Hallelujah. So because, and another, another scripture, we all have sin and fall short of the glory of God. I heard some self-righteous people say, oh, that, that's talking about past. I'm going to tell you something. That's talking about past, present, and future. We all have sin and fall short means it's something that we're going to continue to do. I ain't got it in me to do it right. I don't care how hard I try, the best I can do, the best I can do, Sammy Pruitt always has to stick his head up from time to time. I try to let Jesus rule. I try to let people see Jesus in me. But sometimes old Sammy just, uh, <laughs> has to. I, I, was talk, I was talking to two or three bus drivers just just, just, just Friday. <clears throat> and they were talking about religious things, different things. And uh, a supervisor, she was there, and there's some others. And uh, and I told them, I said, well, I, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you up front. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not proud of it. I said, but I'll, I'll tell you. I said, everybody's got their own tendencies and their own weaknesses. I said, the devil ain't never hindered me with alcohol because he knew that that wasn't going to get me. I tried it. I took some. I took um, a sip of beer one time. Somebody handed me when I was back when I was really uh, uh, young uh, in them early teenage days. I said, "Shot, man, that's junk. Ain't for me." I said, "How can anybody drink this garbage?" A guy told me, "Said, well, the more you drink, the more you like." I said, "Well, I guess that's true." And I was telling them, I said, I said, the devil don't bother you with things he knows ain't going to affect you. I said, but mine has always been, and I said, I try to put the blame on my mama because she was the worst. But mine was temper. Somebody spoke of you, a temper? I said, you ain't seen me in the right time. 
I said, I tell you, I tell you how bad I used to be. I said, this was back before I was pastoring. I said, I was, and, and I'm ashamed of it because I'm, because I, I just made a fool of myself. I was evangelizing. I said, but I used to work at State So, and I'd have, people would have the people on second trick uh, uh, trick would have to get there early to get a good parking space and wait on those coming out of first shift to move so you can get a parking place. So I got there almost an hour one day, and I was sitting there and uh, ready to back in when I got pulled out. And I said, he come out and started his vehicle and started to pull out. I said, and I, I put it in reverse, and before I could get my foot off the brake, this other guy came in from the other side and just right in. I said, I put that car in park. That's, uh, <laughs> as Sister Flannery said yesterday, I'm just being open. Hallelujah. Keep me real. I, I got out of my car. He was in a pickup truck. I walked up, and I said, step out of the truck. <laughs> I was hot. I was saying some Christian curse words. Dad, name it, you low-down dog. Get out of that truck. I said, I've been waiting here for an hour. And he said, you gonna, you, I said, you're going to try to do that, and you think I'm going to lay down for it? I said, I said, get out of that truck right now, and I'll show you how I'm going to lay down for it. He just sat there, didn't say a word. I finally got calm enough where the Lord was and trying to knock me in the head said, what in the world are you doing, Sammy Pruitt? <coughs> I turned around. I got back in my car. And when I got back in my car and closed the door, he opened, he opened the door of the pickup truck. And Brother Kenneth, he stood out. And I, I promise you, that man was at least six foot six. <laughs> I said, Lord, thank you for taking care of me and my stupidity. If that guy had stepped out of the truck, he would have had no problem wiping me up on this parking lot. <laughs> Hallelujah. That is the grace of God, folks. The grace of God will take care of you when you act stupid. Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. If you, that goes to show if you listen to your flesh, it'll get you in hot water, get you in trouble. Hallelujah. So we've got things that separate us in God. So, there is a necessity for righteousness in our lives if we desire any fellowship and communion with the holy, righteous God. It's a necessity. Now, I'm going to be talking next time about how we achieve it. I'm not going to get into that today, but I, I, want, I want to finish this up. In the book of Isaiah we further find recorded where the prophet saw a vision of the glory of the throne of God. And this is what he said in Isaiah 6 and 5. Then said I, 
Woe is me, for I am undone. Because, now, this is the prophet of God. This is, this is a powerful prophet of the Old Testament. When he saw a vision of the throne of God, and that throne being the foundation, Brother Paul, of righteousness and holiness, that prophet said, woe is me. I thought I had a little something. God, God has spoke to me, and I've been writing this stuff down, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to become the book of Isaiah. And by the way, you know, history says, history says Isaiah was killed for the word he preached and that Jewish tradition says that they literally cut him in two with a wooden saw. Can you imagine what a painful, horrible death that could be? That's what tr uh, Jewish tradition says. And that, that scripture in Hebrews, it talks about everything the people in the Old Testament went through said some were sawn asunder. They said that was talking about Isaiah. He was one of them. That they cut the man in two with a wooden saw. He endured that for God. But right before that happened, when God gave him a vision of the throne, he says, woe is me, for I am undone. I don't come near to the goodness of God. I don't come close to his righteousness. My, my very, very best days is bad days compared to God. Oh, hallelujah. Now, I've heard some say that everyone needs to witness the tortures of those who are doomed in hell. I've heard a lot of people say, you know, if, if everybody could hang over hell for a little bit, that will sure impact them and change their minds on a lot of things. But I submit to you this morning that if we would be like Isaiah and could witness the holiness and righteousness of Jehovah God sitting on his throne, we would be appalled by our unworthiness and the stink of our own sins in our life. We would not be willing to attempt to enter his glory. One final thought on the necessity of righteousness in our lives. And it has to do with being ready to cross the river of death and enter eternity. Hallelujah. That's something that's coming to all of us. Amen. Unless the rapture occurs, the day's coming, your body's going to die. I said your body, I didn't say your soul. Because your soul's going to live on forever somewhere. But the necessity of we having righteousness. The book of Numbers 23 and 10. 
Who can count the dust of Jacob and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. <laughs> Hallelujah. The writer said, let me die when it comes my time to die. Let me die the death of the righteous. And let my last be like his. I think about the apostle Paul. Waiting in the dungeon of Rome. They've already passed sentence on him. He was waiting for the executioners to come. When he wrote down his last letter. And in that last letter, we find recorded in the second book of Timothy. When he said, the time of my departure is at hand. He, he, he didn't have a terminal illness. He wasn't sick in body. But he done stood before Caesar. And Caesar had pronounced him guilty. For preaching the gospel. Healing the sick, raising the dead, doing it all in the name of Jesus. So he knew the time of his departure was near. And so he wrote that last letter. The time of my departure is near. <laughs> Glory. But he said, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the course. So henceforth, we're talking about righteousness. Henceforth, a crown of righteousness is laid up waiting for me. And everyone else who loves us appearing. That's where the Bible leaves off. Because those were Paul's exact words that he wrote. But history picks it up. When it says that two Roman soldiers came a few days after him writing that in Second Timothy. Took him out of the dungeon. Hallelujah. Come here, Ronnie. Two Roman soldiers coming over there, took him out of the out of the, out of the cell. Uh, Sister Tina, come here. Let me let me use you. You just stand right over there. I don't I don't, I don't mean nothing by this now, but you're the executioner. Apologize for that, but that's what it follows your mark. Here they are. They they, they walk in Paul. He's headed toward the chop block. He can see that executioner standing there with the axe in his hand, ready to chop off his head. And history says, Apostle Paul, with the strength that he had left in his body, broke himself free. But he didn't run that way or that way. He ran straightway there where the executioner was. 
and he laid his own head on the chopping block. He was ready to meet the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what, thank y'all, that's what number says. Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last day be like his. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me die the death of the apostle Paul. And let me go out, brother, just like he did. Ready? Because I have fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the course. See, he done been there once. He knew what it was like. If you recall, a few years before that, they stoned Paul and threw him outside the city. And left him for dead. And that was when he wrote about it in another place. He said, I knew someone, a man, about 14 years ago. Whether the body, I cannot tell in the spirit. But he was caught up into the third heaven. (sighs) Yes, I I do believe in out-of-body experiences. Hallelujah. Apostle Paul had one. They had done stoned him, left him laying on the side of the road. They thought it was over with. Hallelujah. But while his body was laying there, and the disciples were standing around him, looking on his body, said he was caught up into the third heaven. That ain't real difficult to understand. The first heaven, that's the atmosphere around this planet where the birds fly, all those things, that's the first heaven. Second heaven is when you get beyond that and you get into space where the planets are. That's the second heaven. But, oh, glory, Brother Douglas, there's a better place. The Bible calls the third heaven. It's beyond, it's beyond Jupiter and Saturn and Mars. Even beyond Pluto, the last one, that third heaven. He said, I was caught up, Brother Jeff. He said, I was caught up into that third heaven. And I heard and I saw things not lawful for mortal men to speak. See, that's why Paul broke loose. He wasn't afraid of death. He knew to be absent from the body was to be present with the Lord. That's why. I don't know what day is going to be my day. I don't know what's going to carry me out of here. But whatever it may be, I say, Lord, let me die to death. A man like Apostle Paul, let me die to death. Amen. A man like Simon Peter who said, wait a minute, boys, if you're going to crucify me, I'm not worthy to be crucified the same way as Jesus. Turn me upside down. Oh, hallelujah. I will not die like that. Hallelujah. Glory, let me die the death of the righteous and let my last be like his. Mm. Hallelujah. Glory. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. One final scripture, Revelation 14 and 13. Hallelujah. (coughs) 
And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. From henceforth, yea, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Hallelujah. Let me die the death of the righteous. Hallelujah. Even though I don't know how to attain it, even though I try hard in my own self, I'm a, we, and we're going to talk about it next time how we truly attain it. But let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like them. Because blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Hallelujah. When your heart beats its last pump and you exhale and there's no more breath coming back in, you better make sure that you're dying in the Lord. Because there is a scripture. I hear Brother Paul quote a lot. I preach the message on it. Whatever condition, from the north or to the south, the tree falleth, that's where it's going to be. That's where it's going to be. Stand together. Thank you, Lord.